Welcome back to the Almost Shameless Podcast. I am your host, Tanya Ray Fox. It has been a minute since we were talking about football, but it's August. The time has come. And if you've followed me at all for the last few years, you know I love to kick off NFL season with my good friend and one of the best people to talk about football with. This man has been along for the ride for the last few years. We've really kicked into gear talking about football since the Patriots have been post Brady. Like that's when we've started talking about football the most together. So it's been a journey and uh, we're doing a home and home this week. So He's on my podcast this week, uh, today, and then I will be on his podcast on Friday. The great, wonderful Mike Debate. He is a uh, Patriots beat writer for SI Fan Nation and hosts the Locked On Patriots podcast. Thank you for joining me, Mike. Oh, Tanya, how can I possibly, how could that possibly not make my day? That type of an introduction truly is amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, I assure you folks, not worthy of half of that praise, but uh, it's always great to join you here. And it's my honor to be on Almost Shameless. Well, it's my honor to have you on Almost Shameless. And you know, on this podcast, you know, we have fun. We're not, we don't take ourselves too seriously, but we're sports professionals. We are football lovers. We're fans and we cover the sport and so we like to bring those perspectives all into one sort of uh vibe right uh <laughs> so we're gonna what we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna hit on some topics from around the league uh we're gonna not be super patriots heavy in this particular podcast because we're gonna be doing that later so you're gonna That's have right. to tune in for my patriot stakes on Mike's podcast on Friday, Locked On Patriots podcast. Um, but we'll be kind of circling the league, the the kind of some stuff that I've been thinking about, um, and I know that NFL fans have as well. And then we're gonna we're gonna have a hot take. We're gonna go through the hot take of the week, and we will close out playing a little bit of a game. This is a thing that a lot of the kids on TikTok are doing, so we're gonna turn it into our own NFL version of it. So that's what you can uh, look forward to for this show. We're gonna kick it off with. What else? Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. Okay. So AFC East, we're going to be up close and personal looking at that. I've been going back on forth on how seriously we should be taking them as contenders. Are you feeling like that's a big um, worry in Patriots Nation that people are trying to maybe pretend they're not worried about it? Like, how are people feeling in Boston right now, because that's a good uh, measure of how the rest of the AFC East is feeling. Mm. Is it a topic of conversation? Are people worried about the Jets yet? I think uh, actually the people in this region and the fans of the New England Patriots are actually in my opinion, giving it its just due. Uh, you're starting to hear a respect for the Jets in terms of an opponent this year. Uh, they know what this team was capable of doing last year without a competent quarterback under center. Albeit the Zach Wilson fans out there, I know there are some, and I do, you know, definitely understand that. But when you add a Hall of Fame talent like Aaron Rodgers, who still has plenty left in the tank to be able to lead this team, all of a sudden it's going to elevate your position and it's going to elevate the amount of respect that you're going to command among a lot of different fan bases. So, in that regard, from Patriots fans and in Patriots Nation, I think they realize that this is a team to be reckoned with this year. You can't pencil in two victories when it comes to the New York Jets any longer. Uh, they have to give these games their respect. And most Patriots fans have right along. But I think there are always some that look at that winning streak and say, well, yeah, you know what? The Jets are going to jet and the Patriots are going to come out on top. Don't think that's the case this year. The Pats know and the fans know that they're going to have to give an A-plus effort to get a win in either of these games. Or dare I say, Tanya, maybe both. Well, you know, that's what I've, I, I mean, I felt like that basically with every division game that in AFC East is always pretty competitive with each other, right? Like, especially since the Brady era has been over, it's been a much more competitive division, but I, you know, I've waffled back and forth on whether or not I feel like, okay, are the Jets really contenders? Does this, is this a situation where the Jets are going to be better than we've seen them in a while because they have such a competent quarterback or are they actual contenders in a very strong conference. And I think that's where I'm finding myself um, struggling to see like, how do they break through? Because the Packers have had a hard time breaking through with Aaron Rodgers as an MVP. 
even it, like in the playoffs, right? And, and that's in a in a division that's been a little bit weaker for the last few years. Now you're over here. You're you're with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and Joe Burrow in the Bengals, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, the Bills in the same division. We, the the Dolphins are going to keep making their run at it if two is healthy and playing the way that he was playing last year. The the right. Tua issue in your own division again. Um, you know the you don't win against Belichick. You know easily you still have to really prepare for those games this is um and that's not even to mention some of the other fringe teams right that always sort of wind their way into playoff contention who knows what the jaguars are going to be this year there's all these variables whereas the you know the nfc is a a little bit of a different ball game and I look at the Jets and I think, okay, well, what are they giving Aaron Rodgers that they didn't give him before? And it's, it's, this defense is really good. Like Mm -hmm. their defense is really good. I think that the Dalvin cook signing was really good. Um, And yeah, like this may be Aaron Rodgers last ride, but I think this is Rodgers specifically best chance to he's reunited with his offensive coordinator that he, mm-hmm. he did pretty well with in, in Green Bay. I think this is the best chance he's had in a while to make a case for himself as like genuinely really relevant to the NFL um, like final four picture than, that, than he's had in a while, even when he was making the playoffs the last few years with the Packers. What I don't know. What do you think? Actually, I think you hit the nail right on the head when you talked about the Jets defense, because as much as I love Aaron Rodgers fit in New York, and I love the supporting cast that they've given to him, giving him some of his former weapons in Green Bay. So he's got familiarity, but you add Garrett Williams into that mix. You add Dalvin Cook now into that mix, Breach Young coming off and being a part of this. This is all an opportunity for the New York Jets to be able to have a formidable offense. But to me, That defense is really where they still live and breathe. We talked about this, uh, you know, several times, uh, you know, before when we would talk about the Jets, Tanya, when you're a guest on Locked On Patriots, and even here on Almost Shameless, that it was almost a foregone conclusion that the Patriots would find a way to find cracks in the Jets defense. The Jets defense under Robert Sala is third best in the NFL and allowing just 49 explosive plays. This is a Jets defense that takes away the big play option. And to me, this is why they might be the most formidable team in that division, because the Miami Dolphins, the Buffalo Bills are so predicated on the big play to make their offense work, to give their offense that spark. You have Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs. They're a big play combination. Tyree Kill is the definition of a big play wide receiver. So when you go to that level and you are able to take that away, It's not a big surprise why the Jets gave the Dolphins headaches last year and they gave the Bills headaches last year. But one thing, and I'm going to bring this back to the Patriots for just one moment, Anya, (laughs) because there is one team in the AFC East that is not predicated on the big play in order to make their offense work, and that's the New England Patriots. So in a lot of ways, Bill Belichick, Bill O'Brien are kind of looking at this, and I think they're probably, in my opinion, looking at this matchup as maybe a favorable matchup for them more than any other team in the league right now in terms of immediate rivals, uh, guys that they're going to teams that they're going to be able to go against on a regular basis. But this Jets defense is very, very strong, and that's going to be a problem for a lot of other teams in the league, including teams like the Bengals and the Chiefs, like you mentioned, because of their big playability. If Quinnen Williams is a stable part of this defense this year, it really solidifies everything that they do. And Aaron Rodgers is going to love having that preventive unit on his side rather than having to go against them. Yeah. You know, I think big play is it's, it's a good point. I mean, the Patriots, they don't worry about it because they don't have it. You know, we don't, that's not <laughs> Mac Jones's thing, right? Uh, we mm-hmm. don't have those kinds of receivers on the Patriots. There's, we'll talk about that later, but <laughs> there is something to be said for uh, the fact that Aaron Rodgers himself is a big play quarterback and yes, he's older and yes, he can't move the way he used to, but he would prefer, you know, to take his shots downfield as well. So if he's got the defense to back him up, I don't know, man, you know, I'm a Patriots fan. I'm not rooting for the Jets, but I am always rooting for chaos. So I'm, I'm hoping (laughs) some, some things, some exciting things happen. And if nothing else, we've got Rogers in front of the New York media. Absolutely. And I'm really looking forward to that. Um, Yeah. They're going to be fun to watch. No question. (laughs) Moving on to uh, the 49ers quarterback situation, which again is also fascinating. Um, You know, the 49ers are very complete 
sort of Super Bowl ready team at so many positions and, you know, definitely with their coaching staff. Um, but the quarterback situation is, you know, I think people are treating it as though it's a little bit more settled than it should be. Not that I think um, anybody other than Brock Purdy should be considered the the best quarterback for the job right now, but more that like, we still don't fully know what Brock Purdy is. We have seen spurts of quarterback play from quarterbacks throughout the years that looked very similar to Brock. And I really hope that this is that what we saw last year is what we're going to get because he was great dynamic. He really like bolstered a team that was otherwise kind of going to be screwed. You know what I mean? They're Absolutely. moving on. They've moved on from Jimmy Garoppolo and the, and, and, you know, that this is like a new fresh start, but there's something about it that seems like we've all just decided this is going to work. And the Niners have just this weird streak of tough luck at the quarterback position, no matter how good they build that team up and no matter how <laughs> that true. man schemes it, the whole thing to death. I mean, God bless Kyle Shanahan for scheming that offense. Like it, the sun will not rise if he does not, you know what I mean? Um, but they've put themselves in a really tough position because Trey Lance is becoming more and more of a hindrance to what their, their plans are for the future. Um, he does not seem to fit in what they need to do. They gave away a lot to move up to draft him at that third overall mm, spot. And absolutely. they still have technically an unknown entity with Brock Purdy. What is your sense of where the quarterback battle stands in San Francisco. And quite frankly, let's, let's, I want to hear your opinion, what you think they should do moving forward with What should they do about Trey Lance and should they put all their eggs in the Brock Purdy basket? Well, I'm always a firm believer of not putting all my eggs in one basket. So I think right now that may sound like I'm kind of teetering on the fence a little bit. If I'm Kyle Shanahan, Brock Purdy checks all the boxes of what I'm looking for in a quarterback. To me, he's more of a pure quintessential fit in a Shanahanian offense. Now, that's not to say that Trey Hold Lance on. is- Shanahanian, incredible. Beautiful. I had to acknowledge it. Thank you. Continue. Anytime. Anytime. <laughs> Always happy to wordsmith here on Almost Shameless. But all kidding aside, he does check all the boxes from what Kyle Shanahan loves to employ in his quarterbacks. Now, that's not to say that- uh, Trey Lance is incapable of working in this system or being a solid NFL quarterback or being a good starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. But I think all things being equal, now that the UCL injury in his uh, in his arm is healed or it looks like it's getting better and he looks ready to be able to continue his pursuit of the starting job, Brock Purdy is probably going to be your guy in uh, in San Francisco. But the one thing that I'm looking at, if I'm Kyle Shanahan and that 49ers offensive brain trust, is you want to see progression. You want to see growth. You want to see a Brock Purdy that's striking the balance, the proper balance, as a starting quarterback in the NFL should, between knowing when to stand in the pocket, go through your progressions, and when to make a play that might be a little bit off the books, a little bit off schedule. Purdy exceeded the Niners' expectations last year, so he's kind of playing with house money at the beginning of the season, especially knowing the injuries that he's gone through. But one of the things that he struggled with last year is when he tried to evade pressure, it put a little bit extra pressure on him mentally. And then you start to see some of the difficulties going on, the lack of patience, the, the completions that he's leaving on the table. Among quarterbacks with at least 100 pass attempts, and this according to ESPN, Purdy ranked 29th in the NFL in time before throwing with 2.84 seconds. Jimmy Garoppolo was actually the 11th quickest in the league at 2.66 seconds. So you look at what Purdy excels with when he stays home, when he's got time, that's where you want to see that type of growth because you know that teams are catching on to this and they're eventually going to figure out the book of Brock Purdy. It's going to be whether or not he's going to be able to adjust. If he can do that, the Niners have found their guy. If he can't do it, it's going to be really tough not to give Trey Lance a second look at this point just to see what they're dealing with. I understand that time is of the essence and that there may be teams that are clamoring to try to trade for him, but I would err on the side of caution and temperance if I'm Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers right now. Yeah, I mean, and on the flip side, you almost like 
you almost wonder if there's like one more shot to get him on, to get Trey Lance on the field and to prove that he can win in an NFL mm. system to get some of your assets back for, for Trey Lance. I mean, you're not oh, going to yeah. get back what you gave up, but like, you know, right now, I'm not sure how much teams are willing to give up unless, like you said, they get to the point mm. where they are so desperate in the middle of the season that they're willing to take a flyer. And let's be honest, I, I don't know what team could be in a situation where they think that Trey Lance is going to be able to get them to the playoffs in like, you know, week 12, right. uh, <laughs> considering how little he's played. So they're in a really tough spot with that. I, I do. I agree. You know, in a Shanahan offense, Shanahanian, as you would say, um, in a Shanahanian situation, uh, they they do like to get the ball out quick. He likes his offense to move fast. It's very dynamic. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of, you know, these like, I mean, I don't even know some of these routes. I don't even know some of the plays he's drawing up, but it's very, it's very fast moving. And the idea that he was taking so long to get his throws off is um, that's really fascinating. And I, and I mm -hmm. hadn't, I hadn't noticed that last year in all of the hubbub. So that's something to look out for. I, I tend to agree that they have to keep Trey Lance on the roster um, as long as they're going to continue to, you know, flesh things out with Brock Purdy. I, Obviously, they have a pretty good other backup quarterback, so, like, they're fine um, in terms of just, like, hey, this is a quarterback that can, like, get us – can, like, physically play in the NFL, like, understands how to play in the NFL, and that's important. But um, I, I I don't know. You know, 49ers fans are some of the most passionate, like, on the internet. I don't think – I think they're an underrated uh, group of people on the – they're so yeah. loud. They're so chatty and talkative. They have a lot of opinions on this, and they are split – I mean, across the board on what should happen with Trey. So what I've, I'm going to find it. I find it fascinating. I'm looking forward to seeing um, how Brock Purdy does. Is this a, is this going to be a Tom Brady situation? Is he going to just become one of the greats, you know, or is this just another uh, of the latest 49ers QBs who are going to kind of get them by into these um, playoff rounds and then kind of fizzle out another team going through a transition is the Packers. And I want to talk less about the Packers and more about the NFC North. I am. That's like my division to watch this mm -hmm. year. Um, especially because I'm, you know, the AFC East is right now, or the AFC in general is like, so established the, the greats are the greats. And there's not like a ton of room outside of the teams we've already discussed for things to change at the very, very top. But I think the NFC North is really interesting because the Packers just don't look like a team that can compete this year with Jordan Love. And I don't mean that they can't win games, but just like won't necessarily be important to the future of the, you know, to the long-term uh, vibes of 2023 NFL football, right? But the Vikings have continued to exceed expectations every year. They have a great roster. Kirk Cousins will not leave us alone. He is going to just <laughs> continue to be above average forever, you know, and it's going to continue to get them in the playoffs, I think. And the Lions are one of the funner teams to keep an eye on in football. Mm -hmm. I, I've really enjoyed watching the Lions come together under Dan Campbell. And, um, I was always a, I was an, I was an early believer in Jared Goff. And then I hopped off the train and I think that he's gotten a little bit of a raw deal post Rams in terms of his reputation and his capabilities. And we saw what he was able to do, uh, last year in the Rams, uh, in the lions offense, he was really exciting you know mm -hmm. he, he's not always going to be the most consistent but his ceiling is actually crazy high you know it, it's yeah. like you know he's not quite ryan fitzpatrick but like there is a streak of that in him where it's like man you can get some crazy games out of this guy and with and with everything that they've built around him and how well i think that they've used the draft i'm excited to see what the lions and can do in that division and maybe upend the status quo it's you know, it's been a Green Bay, Chicago historic, you know, historically, those have been the franchises mm -hmm. we're really looking at. But I think, you know, I mean, and even Justin Fields in Chicago, looking at what, you know, what he does and if he's able to get over the hump, just like we're looking at Mac Jones to maybe take the next leap. Like, we're hoping that things work out there. How are you feeling about uh, the NFC North? Are you as excited as I am to see maybe a changing of the guard 
on the, that end of things? Are you seeing things differently? Do you think maybe the Packers have a better chance that I'm giving them to get that, to get to win that division somehow? Well, I think the Packers always have a puncher's chance. I mean, they're definitely well coached. There's a lot of history there. There's still a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. It really is going to hinge on the leadership and the play that they get on the field from Jordan Love. So we're going to learn very quickly. Is this a contending team? Is this a team that's rebuilding a little bit, took a little bit of a step back after losing a legendary quarterback and then trying to move forward? They're doing it a little bit different than the New England Patriots did it, where they brought in a proven veteran in Cam Newton. I think the only one that could really handle the spotlight post-Tom Brady and do it with not only class, but also a level of play on the field that really kept that team in contention. And a lot of people will tell you that the supporting cast around him may have hurt the Patriots' chances more than Cam's play during that season. But the one thing I'll tell you about the Lions is I'm really, really excited to watch this team on both sides of the ball. Um, I've always been a little bit of a Lions fan going back to, you know, my childhood and watching Beverly Hills Cop 2 and wanting Axel Foley's Detroit Lions jacket. Uh, and I love oh, watching I Barry love Sanders. So when you see the Lions actually doing well and they're in contention, it's exciting because it's a team that you usually don't see in this position. But they're very well suited to make that leap this year and be that team that gives you the changing of the guard. Jared Goff in his last nine games with the Detroit Lions – seven and two, 7.7 yards per attempt, 15 touchdowns to zero interceptions and a 105.9 passer rating. That is very impressive considering he started off a little bit shaky and really had to shake off a lot of that rust coming in from the system that he was in in Los Angeles. He's got a phenomenal receiver in Amon Ross St. Brown, one of my favorites in this league right now. And then you take a look at this rebuilt defense. And you know what? Brad Holmes didn't waste any time. He knew that this team had deficiencies. He went out, brought in Cameron Sutton. He brought in Emmanuel Mosley. He brought in C.J. Gardner-Johnson. He drafted Brian Branch, which was a guy I actually wanted the Patriots to take a look at in the first round. That was before I knew they had a shot at Christian Gonzalez, but I loved Brian Branch coming out of Alabama. That's what I, I wanted to. This yeah. secondary <laughs> is going to be very good for the Lions. Kirk Cousins is always going to keep those Minnesota Vikings in contention, folks. They're not going anywhere. And the Chicago Bears, I think, will be better because I do expect Justin Fields to take that leap. But if there's going to be a changing of the guard, I think it's come out, going to come out of Detroit this year. I'm glad you also believe in Justin Fields. I'm I've I've been such a believer. Um, I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker for these guys that have such like gorgeous you know, athleticism and the the kinds of stuff that they can do. I don't know how you can't fall in love with watching these guys play at their highest level. So uh, fingers crossed on that front. You know, I'd love to see, I'd love to see the bears um, take a step forward and see him progress into a real franchise quarterback. So we will see, we will be keeping it again. I, I don't know. I'm, I have a soft spot for that division now that, Aaron Rodgers isn't ours. Like now that it, now that he's our problem, I feel like I can I can really get back <laughs> into the NFC North, a very historic, fun division. Mm. Um, okay, so real quick, you know, we'll we'll keep it fairly short. But which which uh, rookie QB are you kind of most intrigued by? Um, are you most excited about in terms of like, hey, I think that this I think this guy might turn into something um, after this season. Like whether or not they win. Whether or not they're, you know, I don't, they don't need to be in the playoffs. We don't need anything, you know, anything crazy from them. But somebody you think by the end of the season could be someone we're looking at as, you know, the, the guy that we want to watch coming out of this class. Who, who do you have your eye on? I have my eyes, my eyes squarely on Anthony Richardson. With oh, right man. Now. I knew and you were going to do it. Yeah. And the reason why is because I kept hearing a lot of scouts throughout the drafting season, throughout the combine. You hear a lot of people talking. And obviously, Bryce Young is going to get the lion's share of the attention. C.J. Stroud was right there with him. But a lot of scouts were wondering why Anthony Richardson wasn't getting second, third looks from teams and being more of a top 10 talent than he was being touted as. A lot of people were projecting he may, you know, he may have slipped to the bottom half of the first round and being selected. The Colts clearly saw something in him. And obviously, the Colts brass saw enough in one quarter of work or one half of work I really should say against the Buffalo Bills in their preseason opener to hand the keys to the kingdom over to Anthony Richardson showed a lot of poise shook off some early rust and some early problems and led a couple of very impressive drives against the team that a lot of people say is the most complete team in football this year 
arguably, folks, but that's what a lot of people are saying about the Buffalo Bills. So when you have that type of, I don't want to say spotlight on you, but when you have that type of attention, it's going to attract a lot. And plus, he's playing in Peyton Manning's house. It's always interesting to see teams have a changing of the guard, to use your term from just a few moments ago. This is different now. You've got Andrew Luck is not there anymore. You know that the Colts are in need of a franchise quarterback. Even though they brought in guys like Matt Ryan and whatnot recently, you had the feel that those were stopgap measures until they found their guy for the future. They spent the fourth pick on him in the NFL draft this year. Colts have to be very sure that Anthony Richardson is the one, and they seem to be. The question is, can he hold up? That's what I want to see this year from him. I should have known you were gonna. I should have known you were gonna do Richardson. Of course, of course, we agree on this. Um, I feel <laughs> like we have the same soft spots for uh, young ta- for the same type of young talent, and I love an underdog. And in a lot of ways, coming out of that draft, he was like, you know, he was the maybe like, hey, are we underrating this guy? And the Colts have an incredible history of quarterbacks. You know, this is a franchise that's had a lot of great play at that. At that, I mean, they've got first ballot Hall of Famers. Andrew Luck, you know, outside of retiring early, was a bona fide hit. I genuinely think that the last few years of wading through the muck um, of NFL veterans was waiting to get to a guy that they genuinely believed in. And I have a lot of issues with the Colts sometimes, you know. They are a chaotic, messy little Mm. franchise, but they also know what they're doing. And I like... I just like everything about uh, what his potential is. And he's so different from the kind of quarterbacks that we've seen um, Mm -hmm. with the Colts, you know, just even just his, his skill set. As we move along every year, these guys get so good so quickly. They're so, they come Mm -hmm. into the league at such a high level that like our expectations are kind of crazy. I mean, even five years ago, this would have been a guy that we thought could like change the league. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And this is just, this is just every year we're getting next level type players. So I completely agree, um, especially because he is in, you know, he's in the AFC. I think we're going to see a lot of him just because we're sort of concentrated while we're watching the teams that affect our team and the team you cover. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I, I completely agree. You know, I can't add anything more than you know, what you said and, and what I've just added because I, I, I wish I could be more cool and interesting and, and argue with you, but unfortunately sometimes <laughs> we just agree and it is what it is. Um, finally, before we you move on to our hot take, this has been weighing on my mind. Now this is by no means an insinuation that I want the Cowboys to succeed. Mm-hmm. I don't care about the Cowboys. Outside of being an NFL, you know, analyst and 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 commentator, I don't care about the Cowboys. Um, I do have a long, long one-sided uh, nemesis, and his name is Mike McCarthy. He doesn't know that he's my nemesis, and most people don't care that he's my nemesis. But he has always just driven me nuts. Um, I don't know why we continue to give him these, like he's had two of the greatest jobs that you could have in the NFL, the head coach of the green Bay Packers. And now the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, Mm -hmm. he has one Super Bowl appearance to show or win to show for it. Right. And, and that is good. That is better than most NFL coaches will ever have. And I'm happy for him. However, we've seen many coaches of varying degrees of competency when one ring. And I'm starting to doubt that keeping him around this season specifically was the right move for the future of a very talented roster. I think that, mm. I mean, when you look at that roster and you you don't have to like the Cowboys, but there's players there that just have such potential and are so dynamic. Their roster has been consistently good on every side of the ball, for, I mean, basically the last decade plus, I mean, even during the Tony Romo years, mm-hmm. it was like that. They wasted their prime of the great offensive line that they had. Um, one of the great offensive lines of the 21st century the Cowboys had at their core. It, that That's sort of past its prime now. But they still have everything that they need to make a deep run. And I think that mm-hmm. their fatal flaw is Mike McCarthy, uh, especially for Dak Prescott. It seems like... You, you know, you lose your, you lose Kellen Moore to the chargers, mm-hmm. you bring in Brian Schottenheimer, who is fine. I don't know what on his resume made Jerry Jones believe that he was the guy, but I don't necessarily buy it. 
So how do you feel? Do you think that it was a mistake for the Cowboys to stay the course with Mike McCarthy? Do you think that this year their ability to compete in their division was hindered by that decision? Or do you think that they staying the course and trying this one more time was the right call? Well, I think with the roster that the Cowboys have put together, it's going to be a referendum on Mike McCarthy and his coaching. This roster is talented enough on both sides of the ball to be in contention without question. You have Dak Prescott under center. He's your passer. He's your quarterback. The Cowboys are not going to be as run dependent as they've been in years past where you had Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott. Now it's going to be on Pollard and Pollard can carry the load. He is a dual threat runner that can run for finesse. He can run early downs. He can drop into coverage and he can also be a backfield receiver and he can do it at a high level. The Cowboys got talent at wide receiver. CD Lamb is going to continue to be a top flight talent in this league. Now Brandon Cooks comes in. You've got a speedy guy that can get those types of yards after the catch that the Cowboys have been wanting. A guy that I can't wait to watch in a Cowboys uniform continuously this year is Deuce Vaughn, the rookie. I think he's got a chance to be a lot of fun. Um, our mutual friend Thomas Murphy of E2G Sports were really, I think, clamoring for the Patriots to pick up on this kid and maybe bring him in simply because of the way he plays, very reminiscent of what they do up here in New England. But I think he's going to be a good fit there. Then you flip over and you look at the at the defensive side of the ball for the Dallas Cowboys. Michael Parsons is enough to carry a defense on his own. But now yeah. you've got a potent secondary with Trayvon Diggs and Stephon Gilmore, who I think is a perfect complement to what Diggs does. You've got a shutdown and you've got a ball hawking corner. And that, to me, is the recipe for a very dangerous secondary. So Mike McCarthy has got all the pieces in place. Can his offensive play calling Go to the strengths of Dak Prescott, focus on him as a passer, allow Tony Pollard to do what you do, and then give your wide receivers an opportunity to get open and make plays. Going to be a lot of pressure on that offensive line to keep them clean, but if they do, all of a sudden Mike McCarthy might be looking pretty good. But if this team struggles at all throughout the season, a lot of the blame is going to be placed on him, whether it's deserved or whether it's not. Because when you look at the talent on both sides of the ball, there has to be a common denominator. And this team, this Dallas team, quite frankly, is too talented not to contend and be a strong contender throughout the entire season. So I'm going to be keeping my sharp eye on him as well. You're kind of saying that, like, okay, I think he's finally got the team that makes it undeniable that he should be able to win with it. I'm, I tend to believe that, yeah, there's, there's places that they've improved specific positions from last year. But over the past few years, I feel like they've had a roster that can and should compete. They're always at, on hmm. the high end of, um, of preseason rankings and, you know, looking over the roster and seeing, you know, we've seen, we've seen coaches do far more with far less. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, that's what's interesting is, you know, like if, if that's the case, if we're looking at it and you're saying, okay, maybe this is the best of all of the Mike McCarthy Cowboys teams, in your opinion, let's just say that that's the case. Then we're talking about like Super Bowl or bust here. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, because you've already wasted some of the most talented rosters. We know Dak Prescott, we, he is capable of playing in a Super Bowl. I'm not saying that, that he is a like legend or anything like that. I think he's a really good quarterback with good upside. He's a great leader. He's calm under pressure. He's got enough of the things like, mm -hmm. you know, we've watched Jimmy Garoppolo play in Super Bowls. We've watched Nick Foles play in Super Bowls. It doesn't have to be superstars. It doesn't mm -hmm. have to be superstars all the time. And Dak Prescott is, in my opinion, better than both those guys. Mm -hmm. So I I'm going to take what you said and I'm going to say, okay, while I might disagree on the merits of like how good his teams have been in the past, I will say if he has improved it even more, then is Super Bowl or bust for Mike? For my mm -hmm. for, for my ultimate nemesis, Mike McCarthy, <laughs> it's Super Bowl or bust. And I don't think it's happening. Not against the Eagles. I just not while they're in your way. I don't think it's uh, happening. So a, a lot of people might be in your camp on that one as well. And look, <laughs> I completely agree with you when it comes to talented teams that he's had in the past. I agree. I think this is the most balanced team that he's had the opportunity to field in Dallas. So let's see how the first couple of weeks of the season go. But if there are difficulties then I think it really has to be late at the end of the coaching rather than the players on the field. Unless, I mean, as always, the great equalizer is injury. And right. you never wish you know injuries on teams or anything like that. But this team is clicking on all cylinders in terms of being ready to go, healthy and engaged, and they're still not getting it done. 
yeah, I think the finger is going to be pointed at the direction of the head coach. And I'll be the, I will be the ringleader. I'll be up there with a, with one of those, you know, microphones, like the mega, the megaphone, just <laughs> fire him. I'm sure. I'm um, sure. <laughs> okay. So I have, you know, I came across this quote today. Mm -hmm. And I thought about it, and it's it's certainly not the first time I've heard someone sort of insinuate this idea, but I think we should break down this hot take. Um, you know, we've given many of our own hot takes in the past, and uh, I think maybe even our reaction to this take could be a hot take, but we're gonna we're gonna investigate this uh, a little bit further. So mm -hmm. Harry Douglas, a former wide receiver in the NFL, he is on ESPN's Get Up, and he said on that show, Quote, I don't think it's going to take seven Super Bowls for Patrick Mahomes to surpass Tom Brady as the GOAT. On its face, I think a lot of people would agree with it, okay? I think the problem and where it becomes a hot take is the insinuation that, that like five Super Bowls is just automatically on the table for Patrick Mahomes, right? Mm -hmm. Essentially, you're saying like, well, he's going to get a bunch more. So how many more until he is automatically better than Tom Brady? And you have to essentially make a, you have to make a lot of suppositions there. It has to happen soon. It has to happen, you know, over a shorter span of time than Tom Brady did it. He has to be more dominant than Tom Brady was all of these things. There's all these different elements at play. So what I want to know is, and you know, and I'll weigh in after you do is outside of injury, which mm -hmm. again, as you mentioned, we do not want. He is one of the most exciting football players we've ever been able Without to watch. Question. We want to watch him play healthy for a very long time. So outside of injury, what's the one thing that makes you skeptical about Mahomes uh, supplanting Tom Brady as the GOAT by the end of his career? Well, I mean, taking injury out of it, uh, the easy answer to that question is father time. I mean, it's amazing that Tom Brady was able to evade it for so long. And it's mind-boggling, really, when you think about the amount of decades that Tom Brady played in this league and played at a high level. Um, Mahomes plays the game with a much more physical approach. So you hope that he's able to sustain that for a good long period of time. Even barring injury, that can weigh on a person's body. It can weigh on a person's style of, of how they play the game, can affect your longevity. Uh, even if you stay relatively healthy. So that's one thing that I would say is always a concern for quarterbacks, especially the modern quarterback that tends to be a little bit more mobile. Although but I specifically think, Patrick Mahomes, just we were saying based on his style and the physicality he plays with. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think he's also savvy enough to be able to adjust his game for that purpose. And he's got the ability to be a pure pocket passer if he wants to be. So if he adjusted himself well, then I think you're not going to see that become a problem. But he's already one of the best pocket passers in the league. Yeah, that absolutely. is the craziest thing is mm -hmm. like if he just did that alone, he'd be mm -hmm. one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He so would. it's terrifying, right? Yeah. yeah, it is. It absolutely <laughs> is terrifying. And it is a feather in the cap to his candidacy to call himself a goat one day. Mechanically, there are very few flaws in his game. I mean, any quarterback guru, any expert will look at his game and say there really isn't a whole lot that this guy doesn't do well. He pretty much does everything well, textbook in a lot of cases. But you look at the QBR rating and it does drop off when he's pressured. That is true of most quarterbacks, so I'm not singling out Patrick here. But if there is one, it's trying to force the big play. And I think this is where he may expose himself a little bit to savvy defensive coaches. And if he doesn't make the adjustments properly over the course of his career, it could end up derailing some of the success he's capable of having. With no pressure last year, Patrick led the NFL with an 86.6 QBR. That's very Gee, impressive. That is extremely impressive. Jalen Hurts was the only other quarterback that had over 80, by the way. So that tells oh, you boy. the rarefied air that this kid puts himself in each and every day he puts on a uniform. But when you put pass pressure on him, he dropped to six in the league at 48.1. That's still respectable, but that is a significant drop. And Patrick has said several times when he gets it early, he doesn't necessarily trust himself to stay in the pocket as much. He goes through his reads, but he gets back to that backyard style of football. And then we see the Nola pass or the shuffle pass or things of that nature, the sidearm throw that are really aesthetically pleasing. And a lot of sports shows, recap shows, they love to show 
those highlights, those are big time highlights for him. And they really are amazing to watch. But there are times when the pocket is clean and he's still scrambling. These are things that as a GOAT, you need to utilize and you need to evolve. One of the things that made Tom Brady so good for so long was his ability to adapt to the environment around him, to adapt to what his body was capable of doing and be able to use that to his advantage. Doesn't even mean necessarily that you have to take examples of guys that played in the NFL. Um, you know, Tanya, we both watched the Red Sox for a number of years and we watched Pedro Martinez go from the best fireballer I've ever seen on a baseball diamond and on a mound to a finesse pitcher that could get you out with off-speed stuff. He adjusted his game to be tailor-made to what he was capable of doing at any given period. So if Patrick does this, and I believe he has both the intelligence and the capabilities to do it, then yeah, he's well on his way to being able to call himself a goat one day. But if he doesn't, it could hinder him in the long run. That's the only concern that I have for him when it comes to his career and it comes to his legacy at when all is said and done. So it sounds to me like you're skeptical, you know, you're still like, you're, you're still falling on the side of a little bit skeptical that Patrick can pull it off just because of how long he'd have to continue to play at this level in order to reach the kind of career numbers. Like, let's just let, let's just be honest. Um, playing in 10 Super Bowls is going to require Patrick Mahomes to continue to play at the highest level for mm -hmm at best another 15 years, right? Like mm -hmm. he, you can never tell, you can never tell the future, but it's highly unlikely he's going to play in every Super Bowl for the next 10 years, right? It's, right. it's, it's just, <laughs> I don't know if the NFL is going to allow that. We, he is dominant, <laughs> but um, I will, I will say that I think you bring up a good point about his style of play. Although I can, I tend to agree. I think he's just going to adjust. I think we've seen him already continue to get better every season and learn to be a smarter, um, more savvy quarterback with every season. Mm -hmm. So I do think that um, outside of like a freak injury or something that could derail his career that he will can, he will just, once he is not able to move the way he'll just do the thing that, like you said, other elite athletes do that, like the thing that allowed Tiger Woods to win when his body was broken, the thing that allows mm -hmm. LeBron James to play as long as he has, like you just adjust and continue to be great. Right. I'll, I think the underrated thing, and the, this is the main reason I think there's no chance. I'm going to be honest. I will be surprised if he, if, if he's able to like at the end of his career, say he played in 10 Super Bowls because at some point before then, Andy Reed is going to retire. Mm -hmm. and dynasties are built on coach and quarterback. That is all like, there is one exception to that. And that is it. Like there's only been one dynasty that didn't have the same coach and the same quarterback. And that was with Washington. Otherwise mm -hmm. all of them are this guy and that guy. Now, granted they had the 49ers like switcheroo or whatever with those quarterbacks. But again, that's not really that we're talking about this quarterback specifically. Um, and I don't, I don't think people give Andy Reid enough credit for mm. what he does for Patrick Mahomes. Just like, I don't think people in the wake of Brady's retirement after he went and won give Belichick enough credit anymore for what he right. did for Tom Brady. These are the, the, the team building around him, their ability to adjust. They have started to do a lot of the things that Belichick did for Brady and for the Patriots during their run where, you know, they, Hey, Tyreek Hill, you're, we don't need you. We are going to find other pieces to plug in. We know mm -hmm. where our strengths are and our strength right. strength is with the quarterback. We will not be in cap trouble. We will not, we will make sure that our defense is good enough. Even if it's been, don't break. It's all of the same stuff. Now, you know, We've got an offensive coach compared to a defensive coach, right? Mm -hmm. That automatically puts Mahomes at a disadvantage when they switch coaches because he doesn't have, he's not going to get a coach as good as Andy Reid. Right. There will not be an offensive mind to step in as good as Andy Reid. And Andy Reid is not going to coach until he's 85. It's just not <laughs> going to happen. So when it came down to Tom Brady, they were doing that with a defensive coach, a defensive genius who yep. just happened to also be much better at offense than people gave him credit for, right? Like did Absolutely. a ton of studying. He talked to a lot of offensive coaches. He adopted a lot of principles from college and things that he was never given a lot of, you know, as much mainstream credit for. But at the end of the day, Tom Brady said, I, I can handle this as long as you give me the defense. 
Patrick Mahomes, that entire dynasty is offensive. And mm-hmm. they are going to at some point lose the the cog in the offensive wheel right. that is Mahomes and 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 Andy Reid together. And I don't buy that Mahomes is as effective. He'll be just as great. He will be just as talented. But I don't think he can be as effective when there that system isn't around him. And mm-hmm. people seem to just act like no matter what, this is going to be what we're going to have from them for the next 15 years. And yeah. that is highly unlikely. I, I hope Andy Reid is coaching for the next 15 years. Lord, I mean, that would be amazing, <laughs> right? It but would. like yeah. he's almost as old as Belichick. And Belichick's already getting a little old for the job. You know what I mean? He's yeah. this dynasty came a lot later in in Andy Reid's coaching career. And I, it's less about Mahomes capabilities of being the greatest quarterback of all time. And more about the, the circumstances that have to be Mm. in place to allow that. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and I do think at the end of the day, there's always going to be the mystique of Brady being a sixth round draft pick, um, and what he turned that into and playing in Super Bowls two decades apart, that will, you know, now it's hard to imagine under, you know, over that that Patrick Mahomes is being overrated. But I think when you when we look back on it, when the time comes when you and I are old and gray and we're having this conversation, I people are gonna be like, so this guy won a Super Bowl in 2001 and 2020. Mm-hmm. And there were there were how many in between? Yeah. That like Mahomes is gonna have to be winning one in the 2030s. Yeah. Like, I don't think people get it. No. And so, you know, to me, I know you and I are both homers. We have to recognize that we do have that bias mm-hmm. that none of neither of us in our hearts really want to see Tom Brady supplanted as the goat, but right. we are willing because we are football fans first to acknowledge if Patrick Mahomes ends up doing it, that that is a wonderful thing for football, that it's not a you know, it's not about really more than that. Like right. you and I, before anything else, just love to watch football and love to watch greatness. So I don't know. I, I mean, am I crazy? I, what do we think? Andy Reid's going to coach into his, into being an octogenarian? Cause that's the, what it's going <laughs> to be. It's true. I mean, you know, Belichick had gone on record several times and saying that he didn't want to coach into his 70s. Well, he's 71 right now. So, you know, I mean, there goes that idea. These guys get their pilot lit continuously year after year, and they have a love for this game that just is going to keep them going as long as they want to. But no, I mean, eventually Father Time catches up with everyone, including head coaches. And there will be a time where Patrick Holmes is going to have to take the snap under center without Andy Reid as his head coach. And I think that's an excellent point because it is about environment. And what Tom Brady did for two plus decades, both in New England and again, winning one in Tampa Bay, I think desensitized a lot of people as to how difficult it is to win a Super Bowl in a given year. How much has to go right for your franchise? How much you have to buy into offensive strategy, defensive strategy, head coaching, a little bit of luck breaking your way. There's so many things that have to break your way in order to win a championship in every given year, it is not extremely easy to do. And the great ones make it look easy. That's what makes them great. But there is still a lot of factors that have to determine that. Patrick Mahomes, I think, is the only one that legitimately has a shot at it right now. And if he's able to do it, I will definitely give him his just due. And again, logistically, I think the only flaw that he has right now is just harnessing his ability to handle the pressure. And I think he will adjust. But Bottom line, uh, there are other circumstances, so I'm in complete agreement with you on this. We always go a little longer than we plan on these shows, but I'm glad you stuck around because we have a little game to play. Um, Like I said, this is something the kids do on TikTok, uh, is blind rankings. Have you seen blind rankings? I have. I've seen blind rankings before. Okay, so you know the press. I'm looking forward to this one. I do, yep. (laughs) It's funny. I didn't realize, I didn't even realize, I mean, I knew what my point was going to be when we started talking about that topic, but we are going to be talking about coaches, and we've Mm -hmm. done a fair bit of talking about the importance of coaches on this podcast so far. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull up this thing that generates a random NFL team. And we are going to go one through 10. You're going to decide where they go on a spot one through 10. 
as we go through these teams, right? We're going to both do this at the same time. So I'll let you say what spot you're putting them in and I will mark it down here. So it's all saved. <laughs> and so just for the audience, if you guys don't know, when you blind drink, essentially I'm going to give Mike a team. He doesn't know what's coming up next. So I'm, he's going to get a head coach of a team and he's going to have to say, oh, like not knowing who's coming next. I think I'm going to put them uh, at three in the one through 10 ranking here. And he could get screwed. He could put, he could put someone high and end up having to like, you know, end up having to put Bill Belichick at number 10 because he screwed himself over. So like, that's the fun <laughs> of the game. And we're going to see who, who ends up, it'll be a poll who ends up with the better top 10. So we're going to pity. We're going to, we're going to test our friendship here. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So first coach that you're going to have to blind rank one through 10 is a drum roll. Mike McDaniel. Oh, okay. And we're ranking on a top 10 list, right? We're not ranking one to 32. If I understood nope, just you 10. correctly. Just 10. Okay. We're only going to go through 10. We're going to get 10 random NFL coaches. So we don't know what caliber they're going to be or anything like that. We just know that 10 coaches will pop up and you have to have this. You'd have to try to put them in the spot that makes it make the most sense. Okay. I'm going to put Mike at seven. Mikey Mick. And I'm going to put him at, I'm going to put him at six. I'm going to put him slightly higher than you. I am very dubious of who we're going to get up coming up here. Okay. <laughs> Next. Let's see. I, I'm not even kidding. I can't tell if that's um, Rams or can you see? Oh, shit. I can't tell if that's the Rams or the Chargers logo. It's the LA with the thing that goes around it. Uh, that's the Rams. Okay. <laughs> I'm not kidding, guys. I've covered the Rams, but I cannot tell these logos apart. It's like I have logo blindness. Okay. Those, so those Mc- are tough. Yeah. <laughs> those are tough to go. Uh, They're like the same uh, colors now. Anyways. So it's uh, okay. Sean McVay. All right. So we're going, um, I'm going to put McVay at, uh, yeah, I'm going to put McVay at four. And I'm going to put Sean. Okay. So you're going to put McVay at, at uh, four and I'm going to put McVay, McVay, oh, McVay. I called him. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna put McVeigh at five, mm-hmm. so I'm actually going one slot lower than you. All right, okay. I'll do I'll go first on the next ones so that you can that you can get a break from going first. The next two. All right, here we go. Okay, so Colts Shane Steichen. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> kind of a still kind of an unproven. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna have to put him at ten. I, yeah. Oh, you were supposed to go first. Oh, I was supposed to go first. I'll go first the next one. Um, I'm I'm gonna put him at nine just mm-hmm. based on his reputation as a coordinator, but um I agree there's still some unknown there and we'll have to see how he does with our guy, Anthony Richardson, <laughs> right? That's right. So all right, so Shanahan, Shanahanian, our uh, dude. Um Kyle. Wow. okay. All right, Kyle. Um, I'm going to put Shanahan, I mean, he's obviously top three on this list, but it's just where he goes. I'm going to put Shanahan at, I'm going to put Shanahan at three. How about you? I agree with you. That's where I'm putting him too. Okay, perfect. <laughs> All right. So we agree on Shanahan at three. Okay. This could get crazy. We could That's get good. really screwed with our top two. Oh, perfect. Okay. Steelers. Mike Tomlin. Ooh, um, okay. I'm going to put Mike Tomlin at, uh, I'm going to put him at two. I'm going to put him at two. Yeah, I mean, we're playing percentages and law of averages here. Yeah, I'm going to put Mike Tomlin at two as well. Uh, okay. I know Patriots fans are going to grimace at that, but, you know, really look at the track record. The guy's done an amazing job. Oh, I love Mike. I will I will year. defend him forever. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I, he deserves it. No. no Mike Tomlin hate on this podcast. <laughs> um. All right. Here we go. All right. You're going to go first this time. Be ready. Okay. Giants. Dayball. Ooh. I like Brian an awful lot, personally and professionally. You have um, um, one, five, six, eight, and nine left. I'm going to put Brian at five. That's how okay. high I, I think of him and the job that he did last year and the job I think he's going to continue to do. I thought he did a great job as well. Um, I am going to put him at six. So we're just, we're, we're close. We're kind of, we're hovering around the similar ideas. I will take this one first. Sir, we've hit the jackpot. It's the Patriots. It's Bill <laughs> Belichick. Now My I'm going to go ahead and say, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, we had, thank God. 
thank God we held out. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's it. I mean, I'm not even going to ask. I know where you're putting them. We're putting them one. So it turns out you and I ended up having the same top three. It's where the rest goes down. So it'll mm -hmm. be interesting to see what people think because we're just slightly different. Mm. Thank God for Belichick, man. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Dan Campbell, the Lions. Okay. Uh, and you said I have six, eight, and nine available? Yes. Um, and we both like Dan. We like Dan. I like Dan an awful lot. Uh, and this is pr this pains me to do this. I I'm going to put him at eight because I think six is a bit too high. I want to see him do it again this year. So I'm going to put him at eight. But uh, I may regret that decision. But I'll stand by <laughs> it. I'm going to go with eight right now for him. Okay. All right. I feel I mean, that's love, the thing Dan. is like <laughs> the, bl the blind rankings, you don't know what kind of dumbo you could end up with you know That's so it. you don't want to don't want to risk it um mm -hmm. i'm gonna put dan i also have my eight available um so you got get dan campbell at eight. Oh, you know what i cheated i put dable i put two people at six so <laughs> i'm gonna put i'm not gonna put dable at four i'm gonna put my four is still open my five is mcveigh my six is mike mcdaniel so i'm gonna put dave i'm gonna put dable at seven and then I'm going to put Dan Campbell at eight with you. Sounds good. All right. Two more spots. You've got your six and your nine. I've got my four and my 10. So I've kind of painted myself into a corner here. Vikings, Kevin Stefanski. No, hmm. not Kevin. Kevin Connell, Kevin O'Connell. Sorry. <laughs> that's right? okay. Isn't I was going to say, I thought it's Cleveland, isn't it? I was, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> right. yeah. The other Kevin. Oh, okay. So I have my six and nine available. Hmm. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna go. Kevin's, Kevin's got a good record. Uh, I'm. Um... I'm gonna put. I I, ha, I only have my four and my ten, and I can't put him at four. So I'm gonna have to hope for the best on this yeah. one. I'm gonna put him at nine. Uh, okay. You know, we'll see. We'll see. I'll go with. Uh, I I can live with ranking the uh, the my last one uh, higher than than usual. Like I can do that. I, I can't justify. Yeah, I mean, nine. yours is only at six. Mine's gonna be at four. So yeah. here's here it is. Here's gonna be your sixth. In the top 10 blind rankings, and my fourth is uh, Brandon Staley. Oh, yeah, I probably would have flip-flopped those, but I can live yeah. with Staley because I think Justin Herbert's going to make him look pretty good this year. So, yeah, I'll put Staley at six, obviously. I, I can live with that. Not, Staley uh, at four is rough for me. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, that. that's a little – yeah, top five is a little bit rough. I can always say that's, he's in my bottom five. <laughs> that's rough, but – we will see what the poll decides. You know, we'll see how it all shakes out for us. Um, so that was blind rankings. Just to recap, we have the same top three. Belichick, number one. Mike Tomlin, number two. Shanahan, number three. Then at four, you've got McVeigh. I've got Staley, a war of Los Angeles. Um, <laughs> at five, you've got Dable. I've got McVeigh. At six, you've got Staley. I've got Mike McDaniel. At seven, you've got Mike McDaniel. I've got Dable. At eight, you've got Dan Campbell. I've got Dan Campbell. At nine, you have Kevin O'Connell and Shane Steichen. And then reversed, you have Shane Steichen, and then I have Kevin O'Connell at number 10. So very, very, very fairly similar placement. We have similar tops mm -hmm. and bottoms. Exact same top, similar bottoms. The middle gets wonky. So that's that's we're just going to have that's to see it. how it plays out. I think we nailed the top three, though, my friend. I think we're uh, our polls can live on social media because of that reason. And then we can argue with the rest of the way they fall. But I think we did pretty well with that. <laughs> I can, I'm actually truly, I, I, this is my first time ever blind raking anything on my show. Like I've only ever done it on a TikTok. So the fact <laughs> that we went Belichick, Mike T, Shanahan, I mean, you know, and hey, like we could have risked Andy Reid popping up at the end there. And then we would we, we would really have been could've. screwed, but we didn't get that. The gods looked down upon us as they should because we reunited to talk about sports. We spent an hour doing that. I am going to try to cut down all the crap that I was doing in the middle there at the of end. Course. So you guys will have a very tight little game of blind rankings once I'm done doing my editing magic. But in the meantime, appreciate you taking this whole time to talk to me. Um, I know it was a long, it was a long uh, segment of your night, but I really, really loved it. You're one of my favorite people to talk to about about sports um, and, and football and just, you know, shooting the breeze with you is so easy. And uh, you make it easy because you're knowledgeable, you come prepared and you're, you know, you don't take yourself too seriously. And those are my three favorite things. It's just my, it, what, what else could you ask for, you know? And I appreciate that about you, Mike. Remind everybody where they can find you and where they can find your work before we head out. 
Absolutely. Well, thank you for the kind words. And I assure you the feeling is mutual. You're absolutely one of my favorites to have on Locked On Patriots. Look forward to having you back on uh, very soon uh, where we can talk exclusively Patriots, which will be fun. But you can always find me on the Bird app, on X, or whatever you want to call it these days at NBABATENFL. You can also find me on threads at MikeDebate underscore NFL. And you can always at the Lockdown Patriots account at LO underscore Patriots on Twitter. But uh, you can find my written work on SI.com slash NFL slash Patriots. All the Patriots country work is done there. And each and every day on the Lockdown Patriots podcast, uh, free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Yes, free and available and wonderful. And I will be seeing you on Friday for more Patriots stuff. We're going to break it all down. So if that's uh, what you're looking for, that's where I'll be. Stay safe, guys. Stay healthy. Uh, get yourselves together for football season. We're going to be hunkering in. We're going to be eating snacks. We're going to be spending Sundays on the couch. So get your beach workouts in now because we're not <laughs> we're not trying to hustle and grind when it's football. It's, it, I don't need that content on my feed. We're hibernating. That's what we do. So keep that in mind for the rest of your summer, and I will talk to you guys soon. Bye.